There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. I'm Cupid. You're Cupid. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, this episode coming out, uh, I believe, late, late on Valentine's Day. That's true. But, mm-hmm. it's, but it's still Valentine's. Absolutely. Uh, thanks again, really quick, to all the Creeps and Peepers who have been checking out my stand-up uh, this tour and saying hi to Lindsay and I at the uh, meet and greets. <laughs> been fun bringing Lindsay out on the uh, stage at the end of the show as well. Uh, San Antonio and Dallas are up next Friday and Saturday, February 24th and 25th. And then it's Seattle, Pontiac, Michigan, Indianapolis, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Columbus. And you can go to, (laughs) you can go to dancummins.tv for all that. I would like my whole family to host a meet and greet in Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll just throw to you. I got, uh, I got nothing when it comes to, uh, announcements. Okay. Okay. That's great. All right. Well, this week, instead of announcing yet again, our monthly donation, we're Mm going to shift gears a tiny bit and talk about finally the long-awaited Cummins Family Scholarship Foundation. I'm so excited about this. This has been a long-time project that I've been working on myself. Uh, you've been working on it in the background. St. Joan has been helping with it. It's such an incredible thing that we always dreamed about being able to do. Mm-hmm. And so here are some details that you're going to need to know about it. Uh, It is referred to as the Cummins Family Scholarship Fund presented by Bad Magic. And every month we have been taking a portion of what we would donate to another nonprofit and feeding it into this fund to fund the scholarship. Mm -hmm. And so as it stands this year... 2023, we'll be able to offer three $5,000 scholarships to three very deserving people. Um, The scholarship will be available for application on March 
6th. So you have a little bit of time. Cool. Um, we'll put all the directions on how to do it uh, in the episode descriptions. Logan and I are working on adding a tab to the Bad Magic merch store that you could just click on that will just tell you step by step what to do. Okay, cool. Because if I explained it to you right now, we would be talking for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but the most important things I think that people are going to want to know are that we've been working with Scholarship America to build this out. They will be in charge of reading all of the applications and then choosing the recipients so that there is no yeah, favoritism, no, no nepotism, yeah. all the things. It's it's best to have it on them. To apply, you are going to go to uh, scholarshipapply.org backslash Cummins. It's very wordy. So again, it's going to be in the episode yeah. descriptions. It's not intuitive. And again, the application process begins on March 6th. 2023 we're working on a tab in the store you can find the directions in the episode description and if you're a patreon member you can find it there we won't be publishing this on social media because we're trying to keep it in the bad magic community and the concern yeah. is that if we post it all over social media it'll go out outside of our community which we understand there are needs outside of our community but this is intended for our community you guys gave us the money to be able to do this trusted us to do it mm -hmm. so I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, long time coming. Good job working on uh, this for a yeah, long time in the background. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And again, that website is learnmore.scholarshipapply.org backslash Cummins. It's a, a weird uh, web address. <laughs> uh, do you want to go into your uh, story previews while you got your book open? I, you know what, Tam? I would love to. Perfect. Okay, my first story begs the question about whether or not you yourself can make yourself a host for something evil. Okay. It's by your actions, about what you choose to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does that happen? Can it happen? Does it happen because we're in a bad place in our lives and we're more susceptible mm. to it? I'm really into that story. And then in my second story, maybe not the scariest story, but when seven out of eight family members see the same entity in their house, does that make it more plausible? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Better, more numbers, more believable, I think. I think so. Seven out of eight. Okay. Well, I have an abandoned and haunted hospital double feature. Ooh. First, uh, I want to take you to New Zealand for oh. some history, paranormal lore. I want to go there. Me too. And a creepy modern encounter uh, story set inside the former King, Se King Seat Psychiatric Hospital. That's wordy. Yeah, King Seat. And, and then uh, we'll head to Texas and explore various ghostly encounters that have all taken place at the former Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Okay. So you ready to show off this week's cozy socks? I am. And get a blanket ready? Look at I'm ready for Valentine's. <laughs> I hope that you remembered to do something nice for me today. <laughs> <laughs> me too. This is record this in the past, so I have no idea what's coming. A uh, decent amount of setup for this first one. Um, we're going to head to a place that we have been before but rarely get to explore, New Zealand. The Oceanic Island Nation consists of two main land masses in the South Pacific, the North Island and the South Island, as well as over 700 smaller islands, making it the sixth largest island country by area in the world. 700? I didn't know that. Yeah, so many little islands. That's cool. Uh, our story today is set in King Seat, a small rural area south of Auckland, on the North Island that now seems to lie in the edge of Auckland's suburbs. And our story begins in the year 1932. That year, King Seat Psychiatric Hospital opened its doors after a long building process that had begun in 1929. Named after a hospital in Aberdeenshire, Scotland, and it is Shire, not sure this one, uh, King Seat would remain open all the way until 1999. And what a dark legacy it would leave during its years of operation. From the outside, things didn't look too bad at all. Things looked rather peaceful. 
Flower gardens, shrubs, and trees were grown and carefully maintained on the grounds of King Seat, and as the facility expanded to accommodate up to 800 patients, new buildings with cheerful red brick facades were built to house additional people. Inside all of these buildings, things were not as they seemed. Things were not peaceful at all. In an era when mental health in an era when mental illness wasn't nearly as understood as it is today, patients were subjected to horrific acts of abuse at the hands of the people who were supposed to help them. King Seat's patients, like sadly the patients of most other mental hospitals and asylums around the world at that time, were subject to sexual and physical abuse, as well as electroconvulsive therapy, botched lobotomies, and more horrors. Sometimes they were given drug injections as a form of punishment or were needlessly locked in straitjackets for hours, God. even days at a time. And some of these patients slash torture victims were young children. One of the most high profile cases of abuse at King Seat was Clement Matthews, a patient who died at the hospital when he was only 11. His case was reopened by police in 2004, 36 years after his death, when a fellow patient and former friend, Stephen Lindsay, came forward as a witness to tell his terrible story. Matthew's official cause of death was listed as pneumonia, but Stephen, who was 14 at the time, said that that was a lie. He said he saw his friend being thrown to the ground by a male nurse and then brutally kicked in the back after Matthews had taken a piece of bread because he was starving. There were all sorts of complaints about patients not being given nearly enough food to eat. Frozen in horror, Stephen said he heard something snap, like a branch that had been bent too far, and he knew his friend's back was broken as Clement began to scream. Stephen would tell the New Zealand Herald that his friend died like a dog. My God. He had not died of pneumonia. He had died of internal injuries that resulted from his beating he had been murdered. And this, unfortunately, was not the only entirely avoidable and cruel death to take place at the hospital. Two 13-year-old boys vanished without a trace from King's seat in 1967. In separate incidents, Bruce Mitchell and Kelly Hayden, Kelly Hayden Collins, excuse me, allegedly wandered out of the hospital and were presumed dead by drowning in nearby Manico Harbor. Manico Harbor. Words are really tough today for some reason. <laughs> uh, police claimed to have found Bruce's footprints leading to the water while Kelly's shoe was found in a nearby field. Neither body was ever found. Later on, Kelly's siblings would recall how every time they went to see him, he was covered in bruises. When they asked how he got them, they were told he had walked into a door or slipped and fell or bumped into his bed frame, etc. Bruce's sister would remember how panicked her brother was when visiting hours ended, how he pleaded and begged not to be left there. It's strongly assumed by many that boys were again, that these boys, beaten to death by staff or marched out to the water and drowned by staff. And then their remains were hidden to dispose of the evidence. King Seat Hospital finally closed in July of 1999, and the final patients were relocated to other facilities. After the closure, the ground sat vacant for years, eventually becoming the site of a haunted horror attraction. In the immediate years following the uh, facility's closure, more than 200 people came forward to file complaints against the national government for claims of mistreatment and abuse of patients at New Zealand's various psychiatric institutions, including King Seat Hospital, during the 1960s and 1970s in particular. Patients told horrific stories, including some of the paranormal variety, leading paranormal researchers to begin conducting investigations. These researchers found out that both patients and staff had regularly died at King Seat for decades, far more than were ever reported to the coroner. Staff suicide was especially common on the grounds. During multiple tours of the property, paranormal researchers found that the space was disorienting, uh, disorienting uh, with many individuals needing to take a break after only a few minutes in the facility. Several spoke of an unnatural energy that they felt moving around the space, along with sudden cold patches. They also reported strange activity around the abandoned nurses' quarters. 
including a voice that was clearly clearly heard saying, Stephen. Hmm. Multiple distinct entities were supposedly encountered, including one, uh, more, one more than the others, the gray nurse. The gray nurse is believed to be the ghost of a former worker who died while the psychiatric hospital was still operational. Many have spoken about feeling watched by her presence, as though she's still supervising patients. While the hospital staff appears to be... Uh, oh my God, I, I'm having the hardest time reading. I don't know what's going on in my brain. Can you just like go... <sighs> <sighs> no, I feel fine. I know. Sometimes it's just like a reset helps. Yeah. While the hospital itself still appears to remain vacant for most of the year... It's used as a horror attraction around Halloween in the past few years. Some former residential quarters have been turned into villas rented out to locals living in the community. A family living in one of these villas would say recently that their home is very haunted. In an interview, they spoke of spirits regularly showing themselves. The mother saying, they play with the kids. Sometimes we see them, but they don't bother us at all. It's all good. But are they all good? Are all the spirits reluctant to bother anyone? Perhaps they are in the villas, but maybe not in the former hospital itself. The following story comes from a man posting anonymously who claims to have done a little ghost hunting a few years back in the main hospital building, and he and his friends seem to have encountered something not reluctant to bother the living. Time now for the tale of Take Me With You. Hey everyone, thanks for taking the time to read this. These days, I don't know what to think. I find myself thinking in circles, trying to rationalize the things I've seen and just not being able to. Before all this started, I considered myself a pretty rational guy. I was an ER nurse for many years. If you saw me, you'd never think that. I'm a big buff guy who looks like I spend more time doing CrossFit than intake, but I always liked nursing, and it turned me on to more than a few paranormal experiences. Like once, I was in a linen closet, stocking my cart, and I heard someone shuffle up behind me and then felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around and there was nobody else in the room, and the door was shut. That door not being open when it happened still really gets to me some nights. There was also a little girl that many of my patients would report seeing just before they died. Patients who never knew each other, all describing her the same way. Dark brown skin, light brown eyes, and a pleasant knowing smile on her face. They always, I was relieved, said she was comforting. I always joked that I was going to find that little scamp because she caused me a hell of a lot of paperwork. I don't joke much about things like that now. But back when I did, about a year ago, I was visiting my friend Morgan in Auckland. He'd done an exchange program at my school in high school, and we'd kept in touch, and I always wanted to go to New Zealand. Maybe see if any hot New Zealand ladies wanted mm -hmm. to pick me up for that green card. The standard of living over there, so good. I arrived in Auckland, got to my hotel, met up with Morgan, and we went and had a few beers. Caught up about the last decade or so, and we got on the subject of nursing and my paranormal experiences. You know, there's an abandoned hospital, not so far from here, Morgan said. Some crazy shit went down in the 60s and 70s, apparently. He filled me in on the history of King Seat and suggested we should do some illegal ghost hunting in a place guaranteed to at least give us some goosebumps. And I have to admit, I was hooked. I love an adventure, and this sounded like a good one. I was fascinated by the true stories he told me. I couldn't imagine treating my patients the way Morgan described nurses treating their patients back in the day. When he mentioned that there was a high suicide rate for staff, it made sense. I tried to imagine myself treating people worse than animals for years and how much darkness and anger I'd feel. How much I might hate myself. How I'd want to let all that go. Goosebumps. I was getting them before I agreed to go exploring. Let's do it, I said. The following morning we drove out. I was a little worried that there would be security, but there didn't seem to be anyone guarding the place. And Morgan had actually grown up around King Seat and knew a special quiet way in if anyone happened to drive by. Guessing you used to have a lot of parties out here, I asked. Uh, girls, drinks, a little fooling around in the former morgue. 
Oh, no way, said Morgan. Not me, I mean. First of all, I was a fucking nerd back then. Aww. No one would have looked at me twice. Second of all, there was a guy a few years ahead of us, Michael was his name, I think, who took a girl in there and then we saw them run back out, babbling about something, trying to tie him down and how they both thought it was the other person. That really freaked us out. Looking back, I have to admit, they pulled off an amazing practical joke. They even tied little strips of fabric around their wrists. Gave themselves bruises too, top marks for authenticity. I listened to this wondering, could it have been true that it wasn't a practical joke? That something like that, that had actually happened? Does anyone give themselves bruises to pull off a practical joke? Morgan seemed so convinced that it had to have been a joke, I just assumed that maybe some people did things like that, took it that far. He truly didn't believe anything paranormal happened to them. He even laughed at the suggestion when I brought it up. He wasn't opposed to ghosts and such, but he didn't think anything paranormal could actually reach out and touch you. Soon we were just outside the hospital. We parked the car a little ways down the road from the place and began walking. I could see red and white buildings in the distance. From afar, they looked like a summer camp or maybe a school. But as we got closer, I could make out little things that ruined that wholesome image. Like some windows that had been bashed in and the heavy iron bars over the aforementioned windows. Also, just the light in general. It was a hazy day and pink light filtered through the fog, making everything seem otherworldly and not in a good way. Start with the nurses' quarters, I suggested. Maybe the ghosts will take pity on their colleague. We'll find out, Morgan said, leading the way. As you walked between the buildings, the eeriness increased. Doors were wide open, showing hallways too long and too dark. Your mind couldn't help but wonder what could be hiding down them. Occasionally, I thought I saw a little flash of something deep in the hallways. I rationalized that it might have been a piece of metal catching the light. All right, here we are, Morgan said, gesturing to a building. Home sweet home. The door was open just like the others. I half expected to see some sort of shadow person at the end of the hallway, but the hallway was empty. It was almost scarier that way. On the floor, I could see deep scratches leading to the end of the hallway, branching off to the different rooms. Were the people scratching patients who tried to escape, but then they were grabbed and dragged back? Or maybe the patients had gotten a hold of some staff who tried to escape and dragged them back? Or maybe something else had been doing the dragging? Bunch of fucking animals, Morgan muttered. Patients, staff, all of them. You would be too if you were drugged out of your mind. I remembered some nurses I'd known in a few of the wings I'd worked. People who regularly took Adderall or other stimulants long enough to make it through their double shifts. They took other stuff to balance out the Adderall, and before they knew it, everything was warping a little, fuzzy at the edges, shadows moving around in their peripheral vision. Sometimes they snapped at patients, especially if the patient happened to look like their spouse, parent, sibling, whoever they had problems with at that moment. I'd seen some people get mildly sadistic, pushing a needle in, agonizingly and unnecessarily slowly, for example. But I'd never seen a whole staff of hardcore sadists. How terrifying. All right, on to the next one, Morgan asks. For the next hour or so, we explored the grounds. We came upon a lot of graffiti, a lot of unsettling sights, a child slipper in the middle of an otherwise empty hallway, several dolls' heads in a corner, but no bodies. The space that used to be a chapel with a bunch of occult-looking symbols spray-painted onto the middle of the floor, but nothing paranormal. Every so often I would think that there was someone walking just beside me about to brush by, but then I'd turn around and there would be nobody. Or it would happen in reverse. I'd swear I heard footsteps up ahead, but when I got there, empty. As we explored a wing off the main building, Morgan tilted his head. Hey, do you hear that? I strained to hear, thinking that it was going to be another one of those sounds that, if you listen just the right way, sounded like a voice but there wasn't anything just a slow sound like running water said Morgan pivoting on his heel and heading back down the hall 
I followed as a jo- at a jog as Morgan reached out for a door and wrenched it open. Whoa! Thank God he'd braced himself against the door. We would have both fallen right off the sheer drop. There was hardly a foot of floor beyond the door before he hit the slope of a huge cement pool. The hydrotherapy wing, Morgan said. I read about this. On the other side of the pool, water was slowly churning out of a pump at not much more than a trickle. Not nearly enough to keep anyone from hurting themselves if they fell in. I didn't know if it was a trick of the light either, but the inch or two of water at the bottom of the pool looked dark brown, gray. Maybe that's sewage, Morgan said, wrinkling his nose. But it didn't smell like sewage. And then Morgan told me about a news story he'd read from a a few years back, how the new owner of the hospital decided to cut off the water supply to force the neighbors to give up the adjoining properties. Guess they still hadn't turned the water back on. Weird, Morgan muttered, still peering into the huge cement bowl. I wonder why there was a door on the other side of the pool if there wasn't a walkway or anything. I laughed a little nervously, and the sound echoed through the room, mixing with the rush of water. Maybe if the patient just didn't want to swim, chuck him in, slam the door? It was only after I said that that I realized that might have been exactly what happened. Let's get out of here, Morgan suggested. I don't think I fancy a dip, do you? No way, man. (laughs) Back in the hallway, the light had changed as the afternoon went on. Now, instead of the dreamy pink haze, it was hard, gray light. As we proceeded down the hallway, we peered into what looked like patient rooms. Some of them still had beds. One of the beds even had sheets, and as I walked into the room and looked closer, I thought I saw the sheets pull up slightly, as though someone was lifting them to cover themselves. Hey, pal? Morgan was standing in the hallway, brow furrowed. I looked back at the bed. The sheets were in a crumpled heap, not moving. Maybe I'd imagined it? What's going on? Something strange is going on with the lights, he said. Come see. Did he mean the reflections, I wanted to ask? When I got to the doorway, he was standing just inside. He said, look, pointing down at the other end of the hallway. All of the rooms were equipped with call lights outside. In the olden days, they'd have been hooked up to buttons on the inside of the rooms that patients could press when they needed something. Then it would light up on the outside, letting the nurses know. The very last one at the end of the hall was blinking. Blink, 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 blink. Weird, I said. Maybe an electrical malfunction? Right as I spoke, the light went off. But then, the call light on the next room closest to us came on. Blink. 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 What the fuck? I whispered at the same time as Morgan whispered, It's getting closer to us. At that moment, that light went out, and the next light came on. It seemed to be burning more brightly than the other two. There were only two lights left before it got to the room we were currently in. Blink. 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 Morgan, I yelled, shoving him fully out of the hallway. Get out! Bang! My shoulder collided with Morgan, sending us sprawling into the hall at the same time as the door shut in the room we were just uh, in. Then there was the distinctive sound of the locking mechanism, twisting, (gasps) shutting. Run, Morgan yelled. We ran, scrambling around hallways, trying to find the exit. It had seemed so easy to navigate when we came in, laid out so cleanly. But now it seemed like it was full of twists and turns, like everything led back to the same place. It was so confusing. And we both started to panic, which was not helping. It was impossible not to panic. As we ran, I swore I could feel hands grabbing at mine, even though when I looked down, nothing was there. Morgan later told me he experienced the exact same thing. The door, Morgan yelled. The door that led out of the building was shut, but we slammed our weight against it hard enough to pop it open and ran outside. All of the doors that had been open on the outside were now closed, and I could hear a vague sound coming from inside some of the buildings. Muted, agonized wails that sounded like they were building up, threatening to burst out. The property's exit was right in front of us now as we ran. Morgan hopped over the damaged fence, but as I raised my leg up to do the same, I heard, clear as day, take me with you. 
and I couldn't move. I started to scream. I looked down and I couldn't see anything, but where, but, I, but where I felt someone grab me, my pants were bunched up, as if held in someone's grip. And struggle as I might, I could not lift that leg more than a few inches off of the ground. Then I heard it again, louder. Louder for Morgan to hear it too. Take me with you. Morgan now watched me struggle, but could not move. Yeah, I could not move. He screamed, let him go. And then whatever was holding me, it released my leg. I slammed into the fence and almost fell before hurtling myself over and running along with Morgan back to his car. Ever since that night, I've wondered who it was that was asking me that question. Who was grabbing my leg? Was it a nurse? Someone driven crazy by the demands of their job? A patient? Maybe according to what I've read about it since? A child? Or was it someone else? Maybe someone that came to explore the abandoned asylum years later just like us, but then never made it back out? Morgan now believes that ghosts can do much more than just touch you. They can grab you. And if they can grab you, what else can they do? That question seems to pop up in my head just about every night, right when I try to go to sleep. And now I sleep a lot less than I used to. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. And probably with the lights on. <laughs> exactly. When you uh, had like a big like scream, like, Morgan, go. I was about to go, yeah. get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, buddy, that my uh, my brain was, uh, I was getting like weirdly hung up on like sentence rhythms. Uh, <laughs> it sense. happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have pictures? I do have some pictures. Uh, this first one, uh, the abandoned King Seat Psychiatric Hospital. Okay. So yeah, just old, you know, old brick building. Pretty, um, I mean, pretty nondescript, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, this next one inside the old hospital, a lot of water in this room for some reason. And they said that the water had been turned off, right? Um, yeah, and, yeah, and this part is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this picture was taken before or after that. Could just be like a leak in the roof and then just, you know. Yeah, and this building, I think, you know, totally abandoned. Uh, they do use it, uh, this building sometimes for like a haunted horror attraction. Uh, when they say a haunted horror attraction, do they mean that they're converting that hospital into a haunted house? It's it's, it's like where you would pay like like a scary wood. Same kind of thing. Okay, like they so have, yeah. have actors, you know, hiding around, doll it all up. So yeah, a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Uh, this next one, uh, another picture of inside the hospital. Uh, and those sure look like scratches on the wall. Sure do. Sure do. And then I have one more. And like blood on the floor or something. Yeah. Like. Some kind of stain. Mm-hmm. And then one more little collage pick of the hospital uh, in, in inside one of the old abandoned rooms. And then, uh, you know, down. So obviously the top picture, exterior shot, bottom right, inside one of the old rooms. And then bottom left is like those villas where they let uh, people start to live there, like turn them into residential uh, spaces. It's some lady. And then in front of her, suppose that white mist is what somebody thinks is a spirit, you know, that they captured a spirit on film. I will say, looking at that bottom left photo, most times when someone's like, oh, I think I caught something on camera. Yeah. As soon as I zoom in or even just look at it, I'm like, oh, I can already tell like what that is. It's a reflection off this. It's a reflection of that. These appear to be two separate entities and they certainly have the outline, at least the one above sort of like the plant. Uh, Uh Like a human shape. Yes, very much. So I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Okay, creepy. I bet it's really really cheap housing then, those villas. Yeah, I don't know. I would guess so. I mean, like, no one, generally speaking, no one's really signing up to live in a a known-to-be-haunted place. Yeah, former asylum. I mean, there are some people that would, but... Yeah, yeah. And I bet it was inexpensive. I did like the question that it kind of posed, like, at the beginning, there were, you know, the high school kids, you know, 
the Morgan thinks was just a prank that came out with like bruises and these like strips of fabric tied to them. But then in this particular story, it really does feel like whatever's there really can reach out and get you. Yeah. And it, it's not often that we really experience or talk about things where something from the other side can physically touch you. It can scare you. It can stare at you. It can move things around your house, but they don't often touch you. Yeah. Pretty rare. Pretty rare. Yeah, that, that whole thing about like being grabbed, that would be so freaky to see like your pants bunched mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah, and if I didn't explain that right. <laughs> no, my, no, my, it's my, okay. very smart. Yeah, with my uh, brain today. Um, yeah, just seeing like your pants being bunched up and then that leg being unable to move. Yeah, it's like, you know, like when you grab at something yeah, the and fabric. the fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, I was thinking about that and then I wondered like, okay, hypothetically. Yeah. What if he had like reached out and said like, okay, if he had reached out a hand, would he have been able to physically connect with someone and pull them up over the fence? Like, could he have taken that spirit with him? <laughs> I don't know. And, yeah. and what would that mean? Like, is it actually somebody from the hospital, patient, staff, visitor, whatever? Yeah. Or is it something mimicking that? And if you would have grabbed it and taken it with you, could you possibly have been unleashing something right. tragic into the world which i love that as an idea as a horror movie like paranormal explorers you Mm -hmm. know they're trying to get they want to have an experience but you know everybody's scared once they do and then they're trying to get out of there and they think it's like a child like please take me with you you think like i'll take this little nugget with me and then you rip it over the fence you know like and then it reminds me of like the black eyed children that the the lore around them being that they need permission to enter your house oh yeah Uh, it's like that but in reverse what if some spirit needs permission to leave with you Hmm. like like it can't just for whatever reason can't leave on its own but if you invite it to come with you now it's able to kind of like go out in the world yeah if you literally give it a helping hand Mm -hmm. yeah and hospitals just inherently i think are so creepy just yeah, abandoned in hospitals, absolutely. Yeah, there's all there, hospitals, abandoned uh, or otherwise. Uh, hospitals freak me out. They make me I mean, it is like where we're where we born, oftentimes where we die. So yeah. that exchange of life. Uh, but it's just like so rare that I walk into a hospital and I think, like, oh, this is comforting. I know. I mean, I mean, they are places of so much just by their nature, obviously, uh, sickness and death and so and much sadness suffering. And, you know, yes. and they're full of so many people who are there to alleviate that suffering, yeah, which that part is beautiful. But, you know, uh, most people who who don't work there aren't going to the hospital because everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Ugh, that was great. Thank you so much. Good, good. Uh, sure, are, girl. Are you ready to trade one creepy abandoned hospital setting for another one? Do you think that all people in New Zealand know each other? Like, do you think that, like, people <laughs> who are listening to this story that are watching this, if I said, like, my ex-boyfriend's name, would they be like, oh, yeah, we know him? That's how I think of New Zealand. I think of it as being so small, and I know that that's not accurate. Yeah, not quite that small. Yeah, No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. I'm ready to move on. Before we head on to more scares in Texas, we first need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. 
Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for sticking around, creeps and peepers. Not as much setup in this one before we get into an overview of an array of paranormal encounters. In the big state of Texas, between San Antonio and the Gulf, sits the quiet and peaceful burg of Yorktown. Founded back before the Civil War, no more than about 2,500 people have ever lived in this little town at one time. Less than 2,000 live there now, yet it was big enough to have its own hospital. Hmm. Yorktown is home today to several old historical buildings, but the now abandoned Yorktown Memorial Hospital is actually not one of them. The odd building is quite deceptive in its appearance. It looks a lot older than it actually is with its Gothic architecture, but the hospital wasn't built until 1950. Hmm. founded by a group of Roman Catholic nuns known as the Felician Sisters. 
According to one former caretaker, the nuns obtained grants for the hospital, helped with the construction, and then ran the hospital. And then they lived in a portion of it built for residential use. Yorktown Memorial Hospital officially opened in 1951 and then stayed open for roughly 35 years. Closed in 1986 uh, when another hospital opened up in nearby Cuero, Texas. Then very briefly served as a rehab facility until permanently shutting its doors in 1988. And ever since, it has fallen deeper and deeper into decay and disrepair. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of Yorktown. One of the physicians who worked at the hospital and added to its now haunted legend was Dr. Leon Nowierski. Dr. Nowierski worked as a doctor until he was in his 90s. Wow. He had the oldest medical license in the state when he retired. And sadly, he was far from his prime when he worked at Yorktown. He was mostly known in his final years, unfortunately, for making deadly mistakes when operating on patients, such as when he once slid a patient's throat open while performing a thyroid operation and killed him. It's thought that some of his mistakes might now haunt the abandoned hospital. At one point, Yorktown Memorial was and may still be under the care of a man named Mike Hansen. Mike has hosted many teams of ghost hunters over the years, and between what they've found and what he has personally encountered, the former hospital has developed quite the collection of ghost stories. Mike doesn't like to venture up to the second floor, where the living quarters for the nuns once was, due to one particular nun's spirit and her distaste for tattoos. The ghost of this nun reportedly physically attacks and often chokes anyone with tattoos. Multiple EVPs have captured uh, have been captured in the same area, including the voice of a little girl and a woman screaming in pain. Maybe this wicked nun spirit is choking him. There have also been multiple reports and sightings of strange shadows and orbs, and even people claiming to witness the apparition of this nun. The ghost of the nun is said to be especially hostile to male visitors in the area, perhaps because men were forbidden from entering the nun's quarters during the hospital's years of operation. The Ghost Adventures team once explored Yorktown Memorial Hospital and interviewed Mike Hansen, a former physician, and some Yorktown residents such as a woman named Bristol who lived in a nearby apartment, and they all had stories. Bristol claimed that she was once scratched while exploring the hospital with Mike. She said she suddenly felt a burning sensation on her arm, despite not bumping into anything, despite Mike not touching her, when she looked down her skin was raised and red. Also had a feeling that someone was in the room with her besides Mike. Mike told the Ghost Adventures team that he's seen apparitions of people walking around on numerous occasions, and that some of them look like visitors, others look like patients. Mike added that he's also encountered many black objects that are about the size of a fully grown German shepherd, and that he's watched the apparition of a man stand in front of the chapel, as well as seen red glowing eyes in the darkness of the building's basement. The entire building seems to be haunted. The staircase at the front of the building is closed off by a pane of glass, and there have been several reports of tapping sounds heard coming from the glass. Some of the paranormal claims associated with the building come from a former doctor who has the very rare distinction of both being born at this hospital and then later working there. Dr. Gordon Barth was born at Yorktown Memorial in 1953, then roughly 25 years later started to work there as a family practice physician. <laughs> and one night, Dr. Barth said he was sleeping in the doctor's lounge when he woke up and saw the distinct silhouette of a doctor that had worked at the hospital once, but had recently passed away at his home, and then it vanished after a few moments. He also recalled witnessing the ghost of a young girl, Stacy, on numerous occasions. She passed away in the hospital in the 1980s, dying from injuries sustained in a car accident. She was only eight years old. Mm. Stacy typically appears on the first floor and basement hallways, and she's been seen by a lot more people than Dr. Barth. There are stories of Stacy rolling a ball towards various visitors, as if trying to get them to play with her. 
The abandoned hospital is also full of a bunch of old creepy dolls, perhaps put there by people trying to make a old spooky abandoned hospital seem even creepier, perhaps left over from when children were patients there. Occasionally, visitors have claimed to hear these dolls speak to them. Many believe that Stacy uses the dolls to try and communicate with visitors. In addition to the ghost of a nun and the ghost of little Stacy, there's also a few male ghosts that have frequently been witnessed in the abandoned hospital. One spirit is the ghost of a man named Doug Richards. In life, he was a heavy equipment a heavy equipment mechanic who died in 1973. His spirit is described as looking like a tall man wearing a white t-shirt and blue jeans. Mother and daughter ghost investigators Cassidy Walner and Susan Walner were interviewed by the Ghost Adventures team about the time they investigated the hospital basement and asked for Doug to appear. And they said that they were standing in an intersection in the basement. When they asked for Doug, they both clearly saw his tall apparition walk across the hallway before fading away. Another male spirit is TJ, a young man who came to Yorktown when it served as a rehab facility. He supposedly rang the hospital's back door as heard by other patients, but then no one answered. The nuns had closed the hospital at 10 p.m., but one of them was supposed to stay up to listen for the emergency buzzer. But this night, she'd fallen asleep and didn't hear TJ. And then his body was found the next morning, dead on the stairs. And now a young man's spirit is occasionally seen wandering around near the hospital's back door. The man who was never let in in life now won't leave in death, it seems. Allegedly, a double homicide once occurred at the hospital, and that led to some paranormal activity. Supposedly, a female employee was having an affair with two male patients. The woman was caught in the boiler room with by uh, one of the men, and then the other man you know, who found them stabbed her to death. Uh, the woman's lover now took the knife from the attacker and fatally stabbed him, and today their blood allegedly still appears on the boiler room walls. Mike said that he once had this blood tested and confirmed that it was human blood. Finally, so much has not just been seen or felt, but also heard in the old hospital. Ghost Adventures captured multiple EVPs during their investigation that appear to be intelligent responses. When Zach asked the spirit to identify itself by name, the team captured an EVP of a voice asking, You want to play? Even creepier, a recorder left in the basement picked up the sounds of a woman moaning in pain and a voice saying, It must be told, and I'll tell them you did it. This allegedly occurred when none of the team were in the basement to interfere with equipment. Zach Bagans also removed his shirt to expose his tattoos to taunt the aggressive spirit of the nun. And while he did so, Zach asked, What are you going to do to me? And then his team supposedly recorded a voice responding with, Suffer. Many people who have visited Yorktown Memorial over the decades now have a story to tell, whether it's an unexplained noise, a disembodied whisper, or a full-on attack by a spirit. While this hospital didn't stay open long, it stayed open long enough to experience enough pain and suffering and death within its walls to create a place as haunted as it now looks. I'm glad that Zach did that because I made a note that we should just take you there and see if you get choked out or not. <laughs> see what it does to me? I mean, I have tattoos also, but yours are... More visible. Aggressive, you might say. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking yeah, about yeah. this arm about uh, iconography. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, for, for the nun's spirit, they may not care for them. I don't think the Felician sisters would care for that. No, I don't think they would. Mm-mm. What uh, a funny thing to get hung up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have pictures? I do. I have some pictures. Okay. Uh, this first one is an exterior shot of Yorktown Memorial. <laughs> Sorry about that. I okay. choked on my... Bring some water down the wrong pipe? Yep. So it does, you know, yeah, d- uh, you know, decrepit old building. Do you know what is on the stones above the entrance? I don't. It looks like... Oh, okay. At first I was going to say it looks like Yiddish or Hebrew, or not Yiddish, Hebrew, but the more I stare at it, I think it says, or, or it, it did says, say Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, Yorktown Memorial. Or Yorktown, Yes. Uh, this next one, another exterior shot, uh, just from a different angle. 
<laughs> there we go. Um, okay, cool. Okay, so yeah. Just, just a building. And then uh, this next one is going to be just a little creepy interior shot of the hospital. Yeah, the inside of these places oh, always look so spooky. Nope. I mean, <laughs> even in its heyday of like, you know, the yeah. best equipment, clean, new, that's fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. You have those chairs where you could, yep. Well, that's like the stirrups, like a, a gynecological chair. Yeah, even when I go to my gynecologist now, it's like in this nice building and I go yeah. in and I like my doctor and I like my nurses and the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm still like, this is fucking terrifying. It's like, all right, take all your clothes off, put on this paper gown mm -hmm. and spread them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Uh, and this last one, super creepy pick uh, on the wall that sure looks like blood. Uh, quite a bit of it. Ooh. Not sure what that's about. But that is, and this is a building that they don't use for like, you know, a haunted house. So I don't know why that is there. That's, it looks that's awfully creepy. fresh. Like it's much more red than it is brown. So I would say that's not that old in this photograph. Yeah, yeah there's no explanation with this photograph of why that's there. Yeah, the blood looks much newer yeah. than the like rusted out frame of the bed. Yeah. Maybe, no shanks. Maybe that's by the boiler room where Mike said that blood appears in the walls. No, interesting. Uh, okay, so another like new thing that we haven't really ever talked about was asking for a specific ghost to appear. Mm. So the mother and yeah, daughter yeah, yeah. asked for Doug to show up. Right, right. And I was thinking about like, excuse me, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. Where, and I know that these are. <laughs> I just drooled on myself. <laughs> We have all kinds of stuff going on today. We both felt great walking in here. <laughs> You're literally just like, <laughs> how I, I, sexy. I, I forgot how to read. You're choking and drooling. Yeah, my uh, my mouth functions. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I don't know if anybody could see it. Could you see it happening? Uh, I, yeah, I, You're can close see it. I can see it. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, okay. I know that the Ed and Lorraine Warren movies yeah. are dramatizations and, you know, exacerbated versions of maybe what happened for theatrical purposes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That said... Lorraine Warren would often say like, you know, so-and-so like uh, show yourself, you know, and she, I feel like she would call out demonic spirits to show themselves, but I don't know which did she actually mean like show yourself or like do an action so that we know that you're here. And outside mm. of that, I don't know that we've ever told a tale where it's been like, all right, Doug, let's yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. Reveal yourself. Yeah. That is, yeah, you're right. That is a common horror movie thing. Yeah. You know, show yourself. Um, but yeah, like in the stories that we cover, it's more just get out of here. Right. Leave just me alone. Leave. Yeah. Leave this place. But yeah, no one's like, hey, you know, sh show up. Let me I see mean, your face. I mean, there's seances where there are Ouija board stuff where they're trying to contact someone. You know, are you here? Is there anyone here? And then it's like, a, you know, they communicate yeah. via the board. That's like a, yeah, it's but, like talking. Yeah. But not like, let's see ya. Show come, me. Come, come on, walk by. Come on, bro. Let's see your face. Let's mm -hmm. see what you got. Yeah. Well, hmm. That, that's something to think about. Like if you... Okay, our house has been pretty quiet lately. Yeah. Uh, but if you heard something, and with, like if we started to regularly hear or feel something, I don't think I would think like, all right, let's see it. Yeah. I, I would be like, get the fuck out. No, thank <laughs> right, you. Right. But would you? Would you consider? I doubt it. I mean, you know, in like a brave moment during the day, I might think like, oh, come on, you know, just you know, show yourself, reveal yourself. <laughs> like, like, you know, like from a movie or something. But in real life. Yeah. I, I don't, if I actually started like, you know, my hair started to stand up and I started mm -hmm. to get the chills and the goosebumps and I'm getting freaked out and I feel the presence of something in the room with me. Yeah. 
highly doubt I'm gonna I'm gonna be like show yourself. Let me see your face. Yeah, yeah. And there have been I'm remembering now there have been spirits in the past like okay like a family haunting like a poltergeist situation. Yeah. Where the kids are being terrorized, where one of the parents, typically the dad in the stories that I can recall, eventually does have a snap moment of like you know it, uh, you know mess with me basically. That's still different. That's like the calling the energy to you. That's still yeah. not like. It, it, to me, that's still not the same as reveal. Yeah, give yourself. us give us a little peek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just, just give me show me a little leg. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Start saying weird, creepy things to ghosts. <laughs> ah, all right, well, interesting. Creepy hospitals. Creepy hospitals. And now you can rest your voice. You you didn't have any problems talking the second story. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know what? It, what it was too. I mean, like when I go over my notes. Sometimes, maybe just the the frame of mind I'm in, like I'm constantly like rearranging sentence structure mm-hmm. to give it a certain flow. And for this one, I thought I did a better job than I actually did. <laughs> That's fair. Because there were some things where like I, you know, because because it's funny, like you, you're you reading, I'm reading in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm saying yes. it this way and I'm going down. But that doesn't actually always match what the words on paper are. Oh, yeah. And that's a funny thing I've done before. Well, I'll read something several times. And then, uh, yeah, it looks good. looks totally good. And then you give it to somebody else. And they're like, hey, there's this grammatical thing here. There's this. And I'm like, oh, whoa. I, my mind was just auto-correcting it. As it does. Yep, yes, to the point that normal. I didn't even see it. Yes. And so there was a, a, a few more of those, maybe the normal. And then, I don't know. And then just that weird thing where you can prep all you want. You can like, okay, I'm going to eat this kind of food. Uh-huh. I'm going to drink this much water. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go then, to the bathroom. Yep. I'm going to wash my hands. Click my fingers twice. And then, and then and I think about it too with like when I watch newscasters because I don't mm-hmm. see them mess up as much but also they don't talk as long generally it's like in one two to sen- five minutes yeah it's like really quick little bursts and there's a there's that newscaster speak or that public speaking voice a lot of people put on that i do not like where that yeah you set up proper hello you know, welcome to the eight o'clock news oh, it would be terrible I'm for Lindsay a cummins and this is dan cummins mm-hmm. we bring to you today the Coeur d'Alene news <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, like, yeah and and when you speak in that way you can uh pronounce more accurately, more often, you know? Well, it's less conversational. Right. It's just like, uh, it has a rhythm to it that I don't care for in storytelling. And and, in, and there are other horror podcasts. One I can think of, I'm, I don't want to like, you know, bash anybody. It, it became very successful for a while. And it was more of that broadcaster voice. Yeah. For me personally. Couldn't get into it. No, it took me out of it. I'm like, I'm like no one talks like that in real life. Right, right. So I try to be like natural, mm-hmm. but then natural leads to... What happens when people actually talk in real life? Like if you have a conversation with somebody, they'll be like, ah, what, ah, blah, blah. what am I trying to say what right now? What am I trying now? to say? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to get into my stories okay. and then I just want to say this out loud. Yeah. Remind me at the end, if you can, I've written a note to myself to tell you, I got a little update about that abandoned building in Silverton. Okay. Do you remember? Oh, I do. From a, This is an update from a long time ago. Yes. I, I received an email and I want, I didn't bring yeah, the email so in with me, but it's a very quick little thing that I want to tell you afterwards. Okay. Okay. I want to tell everyone. Yeah. Yes. Silverton is just a, it's a very, I don't we'll even. We'll tell them later. We've been okay, talking okay. a lot in between. Let's Got get it. into these stories. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So my first story, a big story, a tough story, definitely for sure. And I think by the end, there's going to be a lot of questions to ask, um, but I think you know, going into the story, I think it really gives credence to our theory that those who are in dark places in their lives are easy targets, more susceptible to evil spirits. So I want you to keep okay. that in mind as we mind. go through this. Do you have your Layla? I do. I have armless oh. uh, Layla. Oh. <laughs> did you rip her arms off? I did. 
Oh, how sad. They, were just, they were just dangling, and so I just went ahead and took them off. It would have been better if you would have like sewed them back on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I still I have, I have at least one one over here, so maybe I can put them back on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's ha- see how Armless Layla takes the story. Hello, Queen of the Crystals. I have to say, I absolutely love that you both have made a safe space for anyone to come with stories and not be called crazy. Yes. I'm extremely sensitive to energies from about two years old until now. I have many stories, but this one takes the cake. It all started when I was about seven years old. I had a nasty childhood of parents playing the game of who can scream the loudest. My brother and sister were old enough to be able to venture off by themselves, but I wasn't there yet, so I got to listen to my parents yell at each other day and night. I knew I was special when one night, a little girl in a light gray dress appeared at the end of the hallway. My room was at the end of the hall. My sister's was off to the right my brothers on the left. I was the only one that could see things. And so when I told my mom that I'd seen a little girl in our house that looked like she was about my age, but was very dirty, my mom told me I was just dreaming. I wanted to believe her, but I knew differently. Each night, this little girl would inch her way closer and closer to my room. Why not close my door, you ask? I wasn't scared because I had a dog that would be my bodyguard. And when the little girl appeared, my dog was never in sight, which seemed quite odd. One night, the little girl made it to my doorway. I was a bit nervous, and I tried to hide myself under the blankets while keeping an eye on her. In my mind, if I stared at her, she wouldn't move. And I almost shit my pants when I found out how wrong I was as she started to move. I screamed out for my mom. I would do this every night, every hour, for a long, long time. My mother worked the graveyard shift as an administrator for the ER at our local hospital, so she was always super tired and not really home that often. One night, I screamed for my mom, and she yelled back to go to bed. She was clearly fed up with me. (laughs) I knew I was left alone to face this girl. The girl then started talking to me. It wasn't the type of voice you would hear when someone was in the room with you. Rather, it was more as if her voice was coming from inside of my head. It reminded me of what it sounds like when someone is facing away from you and speaking. I couldn't make out every word, though I did hear her clearly when she asked why I was so sad. A kid my age, no friends, parents yelling all day every day, dad taking his anger out on me by hitting me and my siblings. Mm. One could say I was miserable. I told her I was tired. Not sleepy tired, but just tired of everything. She then got closer and sat on my bed. I was still scared, but not as much. I was able to see her a little bit better. Her hair was a medium length, solid black. It's almost like it absorbed every light in the room. Her light gray dress was so thin, it looked like it was made of tissue paper, and she had bruises all over her gray-blue skin. She sat there humming for the rest of the night. I fell asleep to the sound of her humming, almost like it was rocking me to sleep. And every night after that, she would ask if I could play with her. I was so happy to have a friend that I would sacrifice my sleep to hang out with her. I never asked her how she died. In fact, I don't even think she knew she was dead. One sunny day, my dad came home from work and he was so angry. And he did his usual, crack open a cold one and then come find me. My dad had wanted me to spy on my mom during the days that she was at home. Of course I didn't spy on her. I was too focused on my new friend. When my dad interrogated me about my mom's activities and got nothing but, I don't know, for answers, you can imagine this man's rage. I was bawling my eyes out so scared of him when we heard a loud smash. My dad stopped and looked behind him. We were the only ones home. 
He went to go see what had happened. An old family photo that had hung on the wall had fallen, leaving glass everywhere. And of course, he blamed it on me. After that, the activity began to pick up. Things would be moved during the night. It was mainly my dad's car keys and his wallet, or picture frames and collectibles around the house. It was funny until my dad started to blame me for it all. I asked the little girl to stop, that she wasn't helping me. She said she could make it stop, make all of it stop, all the stress of my life. She said she could have her friend come stay with me. Mm. She said she couldn't leave the house, but her friend could, and that he could protect me everywhere I went. And so I said yes. I know, I know, I hear you telling me not to do it. When the little girl came back to visit me a few nights later, she said her friend was there with her. I couldn't see where he was and asked about him. She pointed directly at me, saying that he was in my shadow. And somehow, I instantly felt protected. Many years passed, and I slowly began to see this man in my shadow. I moved to a different house and no longer saw my friend, but he was still with me. I swear my shadow started to look like a tall, grown man, and my reflection started to not look quite like me anymore. I made bad choices in people and began on a downhill slide. My mental, my mental health was in such a low spot, I contemplated escaping all of it once and for, escaping it for good once and for all. While I was sitting on my bathroom floor, I heard him. He was whispering to me, telling me to let him help me. If I let him in, he promised I wouldn't feel any of these awful feelings anymore. He would make everything okay. And so I accepted. I was at the end of my rope, and quite frankly, I didn't really care what happened to me. And so he moved into me. It seemed that he needed a host. And I named him Grim. I moved yet again. With a new house and a new baby, I thought that this was close to perfect. But my life was still full of stress and drama. My then-husband was just like my dad. The abuse and all that came with it. I'm assuming that Grim was probably in heaven with all of my mental health issues. I must have been such an easy host for him. Eventually, he exited me and took to the shadows. My then-husband worked nights, and I worked days, so I was home alone with our baby until 2 a.m. We had a Great Dane that sat in my son's room on guard, always growling into an empty hallway. One night, I had managed to put my son to sleep early while my dog slept next to the crib. I tried to get some much-needed rest. I had felt off since I had gotten home, just panicky, but I assumed it was simply the stress of my life. I showered and got into bed, hoping to get some very much-needed sleep when bang, 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 all along the walls. It was so loud. I thought someone was taking a sledgehammer to the walls. I fell out of bed, trying to get up and run to my son. Our dog was growling, but my son was still dead asleep. I checked on him on the baby monitor. Yep, sound asleep. The dog was standing in the doorway to my son's room, barking in full attack mode. I called my husband, begged him to come home. He never believed in the paranormal, but he could hear the banging on the walls through the phone. Once I had the assurance that help was coming, I tried to get to my son's room. I was terrified, knowing I'd have to pass by the place that I thought the banging was coming from. I put my head down and bolted. I ran directly into our dog, scaring him. He didn't recognize me and started to bite me. Eventually, he realized it was me and turned back to the hall, still in protect and attack mode. Hackles up, loud growling. How my son was still asleep, I will never know. I attempted to pull the dog into the room so that I could close the door, but maintain some kind of protection. It felt like the walls were closing in on me, like all of the air was being sucked out of the room and my lungs. Goosebumps covered my body, making it feel so tight I thought my skin would jump off my body. 
The banging eventually stopped about a half hour later. Every photo I had on the walls was now on the floor. My son still somehow sound asleep. I swear I saw the walls bending. The hall looked as if someone or something was pushing on it from the inside out. But by the time my husband came home, the banging had stopped, and in the chaos of everything, I had managed to set our alarm from the app on my phone. And so when my husband entered the house, the alarm went off, blaring. He was so furious, yelling at me for making him come home for absolutely nothing. He stopped answering my calls at work from then on. From that night on, whenever I was on the edge of sleep, something would shove me, but no one was ever there. It grew worse and worse. Something would hit me, scream in my ear, and so on. I was not getting any sleep, and it had gotten to the point where I was falling asleep while driving. I couldn't call in sick. I had to work so I could feed my son. And Grimm was right. I did stop feeling everything, just as he has promised. I felt no emotion, no pain. He came back into my body, though I'm not sure he ever really left. He stayed hidden in the shadows for some time, but eventually began to creep out once again. I could feel him there, standing behind me, but no one else could see him. I managed to escape my ex and leave that house. I knew that wouldn't solve everything, but I started to see a light at the end of the misery tunnel I was in. I found a Wiccan store that offered crystals and spices and people there who were willing to help me. The very first time I ever walked in there, someone pulled me aside and gave me a book. She whispered in my ear that I needed to leave because the man behind me would never let me leave him. I was so relieved that someone else finally saw him. She also said I was his food and he was leeching on my soul. A bit excessive, I know, (laughs) but she did make a good point. I bought a bunch of crystals and followed the book and a couple years later, Grimm is no longer with me. He has been replaced with a true guardian angel type of spirit someone that watches over me and protects me. And as for my sight, my ability to see what others cannot, well, I'm paying more attention to it, learning about my sight and myself. And I hope someday I'll be able to use it to help someone else. Crazy. Yeah. Like a a long, twisted story that somehow has like a weird, happy ending. Mm Mm-hmm. And just that concept that uh, (laughs) like... In the spirit world that some, I don't know, ghost, perhaps one entity who is, you know, st- stuck for whatever reason inside this uh, structure, inside this house. Yeah. Um, knows other entities. Yeah. And this other entities is a different kind of entity of some sort mm-hmm. that is not stuck to that dwelling. But oh, also yeah. like the first one, like, like it made me think of, you know, how like uh, it's a pretty common thing in a lot of these stories, especially again, kind of going back to what I said earlier about like Ouija boards. Where somebody thinks that they're talking to the grandpa, oh, they think yeah, they're talking yeah, yeah. to, and it's super friendly at first, but then it like you know becomes something else, something mm-hmm, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like like the person gets tricked, and this one made me think. I'm like, can a ghost get tricked? Could like there be a ghost oh. of a little girl in this house who is just like a, a ghost of some person, not uh, not a demon, not yeah, demonic, not malevolent, not sure. malevolent. And then they actually care for this living girl in some sense. Oh, yeah. And they think they're going to help this little girl by, by the, I have this buddy, this, this little guy that I know that can help you and make sure and protect you. But the little buddy is actually like demonic, nefarious or whatever. I didn't even think about that <laughs> like, as an option. Yeah. That was just, um, that was an angle I have never thought about before. I just assumed that the little girl always was the bad guy. Oh. And that like, just that like. There wasn't two separate entities. Yeah. The little girl. Okay. Oh, okay. The yeah. She, that the little girl <clears throat> knew that this this now woman, but then child was in a very dark, very difficult place yeah. that had nothing to do with her own choosing. It was, she was a victim of circumstance and was like, okay, I see mm. you. And the, you know, you, to feed on her. 
Yeah, but I'm going to gain your trust first. I'm going to play with you. You don't have any friends. Yeah. Your parents are not treating you well. Right. You're alone in this house. I'll be your friend. Right. Gain trust and then... And then, and then, like, uh, hey, I know this other other thing, and that other thing was the real thing. Yeah. That then she kind of invited into her life, attached mm-hmm. to her at first. It sounds like, and then possessed her, maybe on some. Then, well, yeah, it sounds like, like in and out, just like he was. Yeah. It, it was a kind of entity. I don't like, a, I, like parasitical. Yeah, and it was like it was what I thought was. I mean, I dare I say cool because, of course, I didn't experience this. But yeah. like, it was like with her, and it was like she could see it in her shit, like in her peripheral, and like her, you know. Uh, face and the mirror began to change but then yeah. it was like it would like step out of her and then mm-hmm. come back into her it's like literally feeding off of her it was yeah. almost like it would like come to her for food sustenance whatever I, I do like that she says like okay i know that's dramatic yeah 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 but was it like coming into her and then going out of her and being mm-hmm. out in the world and then like i'm tired i need more and going back yeah. to her and then she somehow expelled it yeah I like to think about the possibilities of diversity of the spirit world. Like if, yeah. if, if the spirit world exists, how broad it can be. Uh-huh. And I just think about how like, you know, still today, people are finding new or, or discovering new species of aquatic life and animal life, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and plant life and things like constantly. Is that going to be a thing where, you know, if we're able to really start to examine the paranormal you know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we can actually document scientifically. Here are these ghosts. Yeah. And you can, uh, I don't know, put on these goggles or whatever. <laughs> so you can see this world. And then, okay, now that we know that there's these ghosts and we know that there's these kind of demons and we know that there's these black eyed children. But then maybe like five years down the road after studying a bunch of things out of nowhere, there's like, well, what the fuck is that? Right. Well, that's, that's new. That's a new thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, extra terrifying or uh-huh. benign or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Anytime they find like a new dinosaur remains or, you know, I'm like, I think that same Mm -hmm. thought process of like, you think that you know what you're working with. And it's like, oh, no, we found something even older. And I love that idea for the spirit world because it's like, what's the chance that the spirit world has existed before we've existed? Mm -hmm. And and what if there's multiple layers? Like, what if there's, okay, there's our layer Mm -hmm. where we have this reality that can be scientifically tested. Mm -hmm. And then there's maybe another layer that is like the realm of ghosts. Mm -hmm. But maybe beyond that layer is yet another layer and that's a demonic layer. And then again and again and again. And some creatures can kind of like come in just like ghosts can slip into our world and we can see them. Yeah. What if demons can slip into this next world and be seen by ghosts? I mean, who knows how nuanced it all all could be. Today, I'm feeling like very like light and bright. So all of that sounds really fascinating. I don't feel scared. I'm like, yeah. oh, I love this. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Ask me next week. I'll probably be like, ah, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I hope that this person uh, continues to find peace in their life. Yeah. Sounds like they had a very rough yeah, go no of it. Kidding. How sad. Mm-hmm. But like, you know. But good now. It's not like they found like, yeah, they're in a good spot now. Yeah. Like found something to put their faith in and their belief in and a community yeah. of people to help and support. And I just... You know, crystals are very powerful. (laughs) I love any stories with crystals. All right. You ready for one more? Yes. So like I said before, maybe not the the scariest of tales, okay. but more of a confirmation tale. If, yeah, this is the eight of nine, right? Seven out of eight or people. seven out of eight, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Seven out of eight people see a woman hanging around their house. It's like, how much more proof could you need if you're the one experiencing that with your fellow siblings and parents, mm-hmm. right? All right. Let's see what's going on. Hey guys, I haven't actually been listening that long, which I don't even know if that's true because this email could be four years old, (laughs) but I thought maybe I should share my story. 
I am the youngest of six kids, and I was maybe four or five years old when all of this happened. We lived in a house in Kansas that had a basement floor, which was divided into two or three rooms. At the time, I shared one of the rooms in the basement with my two older sisters. Two of my three brothers and I were playing hide-and-go-seek one day, and I decided to hide in the basement. I went into the storage room where I saw a deep freezer, the long chest kind. I wondered... When had mom and dad bought a freezer? I went to check it out to see if it was plugged in, thinking if it wasn't, I would hide in the freezer. I figured my brothers would never look in there. Yes, it wasn't plugged in. I was so excited. I opened the freezer and was shocked at what I found inside. A body. I managed somehow to stay calm, decided, "Eh, I'm just going to hide underneath my sister's bed instead, and I booked it out of there. Later that evening, I asked my parents about the freezer, And they seemed very confused. They didn't know what I was talking about. I simply decided to drop the subject. Later that night, we were all asleep when my older sister, Michelle, woke up. She said she saw an old lady standing right next to her. She shoved and pushed and prodded my other sister, Margaret. Michelle said to Margaret, hey, hey, do you see something on my side of the bed? Of course, Margaret said no and proceeded to roll over and go back to sleep. But Michelle kept pushing and pushing and pushing Margaret until Margaret had had enough. What? You really need to look at my side of the bed and tell me what you see. Margaret sat up, looked to Michelle's side of the bed. Yep, 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 I see her. And then laid back down and went to sleep. Michelle wasn't having it. Margaret, you need to wake up. I cannot sleep. Michelle, close your eyes and go to sleep, my sister said. The next day, Michelle talked to our parents, telling them they needed to move us girls out of the basement, suggesting our brother Joseph be moved to the basement instead. He'd been wanting his own space, and this was the perfect opportunity. He could have this space, and the girls could just take over his room. And that's just what we did. Joseph moved down to the basement, and my sisters and I moved to Joseph's room. Fast forward a couple weeks. My dad was walking me home from preschool. As we entered the house, I asked, Is mom home? No, he replied. Huh, well... Do you have a fan running? No. Oh, it felt so cold in the house to me. Is it cold in here to you, Dad? I asked him. Yeah, honey, but it's winter. I'll throw some logs in the fireplace and start a fire. That all made sense to me. While my dad grabbed some firewood, I looked over and I noticed the rocking chair in the corner of my eye moving back and forth. When my dad walked back in, the rocking chair stopped completely. I went upstairs to my new room to play with my Barbie dolls. My dad was downstairs in the kitchen, and so when my bedroom door closed by itself, I thought, it's just the cold wind. It's just the cold wind. And then I saw an old lady walk through my door. I screamed as loud as I could. My dad came running upstairs. Something scared me, I told him. If I tell you, you won't believe me. Okay, try me, my dad said. I just saw an old lady walk through my bedroom door, dad. And what he said next just about knocked me over. Oh, her? She's harmless. (laughs) Later, I told Michelle about the whole thing since she had seen the old lady in the basement. And then I told her about the freezer in the basement where I had seen the dead body of the old lady. It was the same old lady that I had seen walk through my bedroom door. She assured me that our parents had never, ever bought a deep freezer. The old lady followed us from Kansas to Alabama and from Alabama to Florida. She constantly hit our keys and turned on TVs. She would always turn on Green Acres and the Andy (laughs) Griffith show. Once those two shows were over, she would turn the TV off. If we were watching something else, she would come into the room and change the channel just to watch her shows. For years, I was certain my parents were playing the best practical trick on me. 
Franklin and Lamar, two of my brothers, said that they saw the old lady and her cat. What? She has a cat? I asked Lamar. (laughs) Yeah, she has an orange tabby that used to wake me up every night. I was so confused. Franklin said, she means us no harm. I was still so confused by all of this. I asked him, how long has this lady been with us? Eh, We aren't sure. But Joseph believes it's all in our heads because he's never seen her before. And he slept in that basement until we moved to Alabama. And now here I am in my early 30s and I still see her and her damn cat. She hasn't hid my keys in a while and her cat sits on my windowsill in my bedroom. My husband doesn't believe me when I talk about her. I've mentioned the freezer and seeing her body in the freezer to everyone in my family. No one ever saw that freezer. I'm still pretty haunted about it, though. Why did she choose to show me that that was how she died? As a side note, shortly after we moved from Kansas to Alabama, that house caught on fire and burned down. Nothing has sat on the lot since. I was in Kansas about 13 years ago and went to see where my old house had stood. I could still feel the cold air from the property even in the middle of the summer. It had a very, very eerie feeling around it. My husband was with me, but he didn't feel a single thing. Angie. Thanks, Angie. I like this story. Um, yeah, I do it's too. Pretty funny. The freezer detail is pretty creepy. I know. Did like, somebody chop this old lady up and put well, her in the yeah, freezer? Yeah, like she said, like showed me how she died. But like, how do you die in a freezer? Well, somebody locks you in there and freezes you to death, or somebody killed you yeah, and you put your body in there. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we do hear about that happening. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, she's murdered. Um, and I guess it's just an assumption that Angie's making. It doesn't sound like her family ever like tried to do research. I mean, maybe yeah, she yeah, didn't yeah. include she, it. Yeah, but, she's assuming. Yeah, yeah. It's like. I mean, I like the Green Acres and Andy Griffith too. So funny, like with those old shows, right when you read those, both theme songs back to back, one of my just immediately Green Acres is the place to be. And then the Andy Griffith show, just that classic whistling. That would come on either before or after Hogan's Heroes. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Hogan's Heroes. Those shows, man. Talk about longevity. Mm-hmm. I could still watch it now and probably be happily entertained. Because Angie's a decade younger than me. And it's crazy that those shows were still on when she was a kid. She's I'm almost like, my two mom, decades younger than you. No, she's not. My mom. Uh, no, she's not. She, she said early 30s. She said 33 or something. No, she didn't. She said, I'm now in my early 30s. Okay, well, your early 30s. Even if you're 31, that's still not close to two decades. Stop trying to make me older than I actually am. I know I'm older than you. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so preposterous. Would, what, do, would we think that you're 95? Like, I know, no. maybe. Um, <sighs> but yeah, those shows, because like my mom watched those shows when she was a kid. Right. And I don't even know that they were new then. It's like how, well, I guess they were. I guess they were new when she was really little, but that's just, uh, yeah, sorry. I love um, Daryl, Daryl, and my other brother, Daryl. Newhart show. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite. Whenever, Another one of those shows just went on forever. Forever. And when I would, when on the rare chance that I was sick enough to stay yeah. home and I was old, en- old enough to stay home alone, it was like you could watch like New Hearts. And then I want to say The Price is Right was right after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would eat Mrs. Weiss wide noodle chicken noodle soup. Like it's a very specific. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think they make the exact kind that I love. Yeah. They were like these like egg noodles. Oh my God, I would kill for that soup right now. I always think with those shows, just how like lucky for those, like the actors... Okay, like with Newhart, not even like for Newhart necessarily, but like everyone uh, around him. Yeah, like like the 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 fourth or fifth build actor who who not necessarily yeah. somebody who's going to go on and do a bunch of other shows. Like, what if that was their one show? They yeah. do Newhart, but then it goes for I don't even know how many seasons it did. But let's say it's seven, no eight idea. seasons, enough to go into syndication, 
And then it just keeps getting re-upped and re-syndicated over and over because, yeah, for those of you like who don't know, once a show goes into syndication, if it makes a certain amount of episodes, the way all the union rules uh, uh, work out, then every time that episode airs in per- perpetuity going forward, anybody involved with it gets a check of some amount. Yeah, it's the writer, crazy. The, the the director, you know, all these people who are involved in these uh, you know certain roles. And so it's crazy for these actors. You could be a minor actor. You could get on one series in your 20s and it mm-hmm. runs for six, seven, eight years. And then you could keep getting steady checks the rest of your life if it's like a Hogan Tiro, oh, Andy Griffith, you know, Mash. one of those type shows. Mash. Yeah. Man, just a lottery. Okay. Let me tell you about Silverton. Yeah. I want, yeah. So this Silverton. Is, this is very brief. Okay. So during the pandemic, Dan and I, yeah. like the height of the pandemic, mm-hmm. Dan and I would take like little drives. I mean, as many people did, just trying yeah. to like fill space. And, Hikes and things. Yeah. And Wallace, Idaho, which is, by the way, in the final 20 running for top 10 sm- or top 20 small towns in America. Uh, small, like coolest small towns? Yeah, like, something uh, like that. Okay. I just like saw this article. And on the way there, there's like, Dan and I would suddenly like, okay, now we have all the time in the world. Like, let's get off at this exit and see what's there and this. So yeah. we get off in Silverton. Yeah. And there's this tiny old, I mean, small, and, small little and town. And Silverton is not even necessarily a town. I think it's just I don't like, even know if it's incorporated. I don't think so. I think it, it, it probably qualifies a census designated place. Probably. Where it's just a... Uh, a neighborhood yeah. outside of a tiny town. Yeah, but it did have its own school, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think I think at one time, I don't know if it does anymore or like not. Like the building was there when we went through, right. or like the playground. Anyways, yeah. so we see this old abandoned broken down building. We're like, oh my God, yeah, what is that? Big brick building. And for a, and, But there was definitely work going on there. Yeah, some kind of maybe renovation or something. Yeah, so we were trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. We talked about it on this show and right around that time somebody actually who lives in new zealand yeah he was like oh i was in america working on that building i forget exactly like if it was like mineral resourcing or what exactly they were studying there and that was the last i heard about it yeah well in the emails in the last week or two i got an email from somebody who was like just thought you'd want to know now they have a instagram page that i need to follow they have gutted it they are completely remodeling it and uh, it's a new wedding venue, and it looks like it's going to be huh. so cool opening this summer. Oh, any rumors that it's haunted? I, you know, didn't get that far, but okay. I bet. Right. I bet. So, if anybody's looking for a good place <laughs> to host a Idaho. wedding, Silverton, <laughs> Idaho, and then set up the cameras and let us know what you find. And I bet. And I bet once it gets going, if you just Google Silverton, Idaho wedding venue, nothing else is going to come up. There is be- nothing. There can't be. Yeah, there, there's not that many other buildings in this uh, little place. Yeah. So. I just thought, I was like, okay, I like that somebody somehow, I don't even think it was somebody local. Yeah. I don't know what, maybe they're a wedding planner. I don't know. <laughs> like, why Why would that be on your radar? Do you want to uh, thank our Annabelle's first or do you want me to today? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Back, we'll do a little volley. Okay. I'd like to thank the following Annabelle's for helping us to start our scholarship foundation. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Elfert, Rebecca Davis, uh, Apostate Alexi. Colin and Lauren Giles, Shelby Yordy, Samantha Hagen, Lindsay Childs, Sadie Rothenbuehl, Bunny, Madison, Natalie, the Menigo family, and Kayla May. Yeah, thanks to all of you. And thanks also to the following Annabelles, Patty Work, uh, Louise Orozco, or, or Orozco, Michael Smith, Robert Poggy, or Poggy, Stephanie McGill, Seven feet five unfuckable ginger monster. <laughs> uh, that is really funny. Just the way they're seven foot five unfuckable ginger monster. If anybody's looking for a tall ginger, very tall. We we can connect. If you. they're actually seven foot five, Paula Abrams, Nikki Agolf, uh, Erebus D. Grave, uh, Laura Lordana Russo, 
Laura Dana. Uh, this one maybe Captain Sterling Hawksbill. That is uh, that is like a superhero name, Captain I like it. Sterling Hawksbill. Anybody's name who's Sterling, that's a good name. Megan Nichols and Aaron Matthews. And by the way, Annabelle's, we should be all caught up on Annabelle. So if you yeah. haven't heard your Annabelle oh, shout yeah. out, reach I, out. I have, you know, I've been as diligent as humanly possible. Uh, the way that we gather that information is, you know, through Patreon, and yeah. you know, sometimes things aren't perfect. But this should be everyone. Within this is let's say February fourteenth, so this should be everybody since about mid January of twenty twenty three. So if you yeah. signed up before that, if you signed up in twenty twenty two or prior, yeah, please shoot me an email at info at scaredtodeathpodcast dot com. And if we need to, we'll do an entire couple weeks of like catching Catch up. up with anybody who didn't get it. If you've signed up and then you had to turn it off and then came back to it, also please let us know if you didn't hear it either time. Yeah, because it can kind of. It's like a weird behind the scenes thing that can get a little messy. A little lost, okay. Yeah. Okay, and then I just have two spoopish shout outs to Aria from Mom and Dad. Happy eight, happy eighth birthday to our living nightmare. And to Kaylee from Nate. Happy Valentine's Day. You're my favorite. Uh, I'm sorry. You're my everything. I was thinking because I said to you, you're my favorite. <laughs> uh, you're my everything. And please, I need you to be my Valentine. Oh, that's oh, so, so sweet. Yeah. And, and where do people send in messages to get spoopy shout outs? Info. Do, we, do, we, do we say it? Oh, info. Info okay. at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Right. And you guys, listen, the yeah. stories, we need more stories. Okay. We're going to put out a call on social media, but um, we really like to like have a wide variety of things to pick from. Short, yeah. long, uh, all the things that we talk about. Cryptids, hauntings, possessions, places you visited. Uh, I love the suggestions people send in. I do send them on to Dan and Sophie yeah. and Olivia. But please, like... We love having your story. So don't, mm -hmm. don't hold back. And that is our show. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in those tales that Lindsay was referring to, to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And you can email us for everything else, including those spoopy shout out requests, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, Tyler C for the work on social media to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Um, thanks to Tyler for producing and directing today, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to our book editor, Drew Atana, for polishing and preparing listener stories for book number four. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding the first story I told this week, and to Olivia Lee and Sarah Finch for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions and YouTube uh, on YouTube if you'd like to listen and watch. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content and see the pictures that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcast. We also have a Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with so many friends to meet. Mm -hmm. You can follow us on TikTok as well, also at Scared to Death Podcast. And those are usually like little like uh, little snippets from the shows. highlights of the show. Yeah, they're really cool. Get on TikTok, share, make us famous. <laughs> and if you don't want to hear any ads, <laughs> if you uh, want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon, get the entire catalog ad-free and more. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Happy Valentine's Day and hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Your Layla? I do. I have armless oh. uh, Layla. Oh. <laughs>
NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.